always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've, I've definitely always been an artist, but I always thought business people were like older and white and male. And I just, I, and I honestly, I read a lot of business books when I was growing up. And I just, ne- there were never any stories about women. I am an entrepreneur. Be inspired. We are incredibly powerful. Color outside the line. Open your mind. Dream big. Be bold. Take action. The narrative needs to change. We can fix this. We can change this. I know we can. Think broad. Think like abroad. Think broad. So um, before we get started with Aaron's amazing story, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Erica Diagnan Minahan, and I am a co-founder and managing partner at 1000 Angels, which is a digital venture investment network. Uh, We fund companies that are raising seed and series A rounds. Uh, I've been investing in early stage startups for over 10 years, and I'm really excited to meet you all tonight, to be host of Broad Mike, and to get to have this wonderful conversation with Aaron. So thanks, Aaron, for being here, and thank you all as well for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. So, although she really doesn't need an introduction, I'm going to give you, uh, you know, the background. So today we're speaking with Erin Bagwell, who's a filmmaker and feminist blogger residing in Brooklyn, New York. In the summer of 2013, she founded Feminist Wednesday. I love that name, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Happy Feminist Wednesday to everyone. Has yeah. <laughs> a feminist storytelling blog. In the summer of 2014, she launched a successful Kickstarter campaign, raising over $100,000 in funding to produce her first feature-length film, Dream Girl. Or I guess it's Dream Girl. Yeah, Am I saying that right? You have to add a, pa- like a yeah. dramatic pause right. in the middle. Sorry. Dream Girl. Dream Girl. <laughs> in May of 2016, Dream Girl screened at the White House as part of the United State of Women Summit followed by a sold-out screening at the iconic Paris Theater in New York City. Erin's story has been featured in Forbes, TED, Vogue, and the Washington Post. I, I like that, because supposedly Trump hates the Washington Post, so I'm glad oh, you were really? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I love that one. Yeah, yeah exactly. Us. I love the t- clear from the t-shirt. Dream Girl is available worldwide for public screenings, like here at LMHQ Today and was named the number one feminist documentary to watch by the Huffington Post. Erin's gonna be answering questions from a live audience with us here today. So welcome, Erin. Thanks again. So, you know, we got to learn a little bit about you and your background, obviously from the movie, from the story, but can we go back even maybe a little bit further, right? You sort of started with your decision to quit your job. You know, what factors in your childhood or, you know, sort of formative years um, may have influenced your path to become an entrepreneur? Wow, you're really going there, right for the childhood. Yeah, we want to, you know, get all the Freudian stuff out. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, You know, to be honest with you, it's funny. When I I asked my mom for that clip at the end of me, you know, asking for her to be, or for me to start filming her, and, you know, I always thought that my filmmaking dreams began in high school. Like, I really got into filmmaking in high school. I did a lot of, like, student council videos and creative videos and videos about my dog. Like, I just really liked creating that media. And when I asked her for that footage, she was actually like, you've been making movies since you were, like, eight years old. And I was like, what? I don't remember. Because I was a very creative person. I like to do lots in the arts. But 
um, yeah, she was like, you've been doing video. So she, then she sent me a bunch of stuff that I like, I made and that my brother and I were in and Barbies and doing things. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting. I didn't realize like my passion for storytelling went back so deep. And I will say my mother is, um, she was an army wife when I uh, was growing up and now she's the principal um, of a Catholic school. But she so deeply loved and fostered the arts in my family. Like, they were so valued. And so even when I went into college, you know, I, was, I started off as an international business major. And it was my mom's idea, because she knew I loved the arts and digital media space, to mm -hmm. switch my major. And I was like, oh, I'm a little scared. And like, how am I going to make an income off of the arts? Like, I can't like do this for a living. And she was like, you should try it and just see how it goes. And I loved it. And I kept thinking in school, like, oh, this will just be, like, for fun until I get a real job. And thankfully, this is now my full-time gig. Wow. I've been chasing the arts and have um, such an amazing family that has supported me. And I feel like that has made such a, a world of a difference and has been such a privilege. Yeah, no, absolutely. Family is important. And it's great that you had that support because it's resulted in some really beautiful things. So, so you knew that you were an artist from a young age. When did you know that you were an entrepreneur? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've, I've definitely always been an artist, but I always thought business people were like older and white and male. And I just, I, and I honestly, I read a lot of business books when I was growing up, like in, in high school and college. I, I thought it was really fun and fascinating. And I just, ne there were never any stories about women. Yeah. And so it wasn't until Feminist Wednesday, as you guys learned in the film, that I started meeting so many women who, you know, not only women, but they were young women, and they were raising millions of dollars, and they had huge teams, and I was like, oh my God, like, if Julie can do it, then I can do it, and so it really kind of empowered me and, like, made me level up a little bit to be surrounded by female entrepreneurs, so I have to say I had to be, like, amongst the community to really feel that in myself, and that's really the mission of the film, is I hope people can see themselves in all of the characters. Yeah. So, you know, you, you talked a little bit about it, about it in the film, but, you know, what were some of the biggest challenges or really, you know, mental obstacles that you faced with actually leaving the corporate world and striking out on your own? Yeah, I mean, I think money is the biggest thing that, like... Thank you, Kickstarter. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and even, um, even to, I mean, we, we wrapped my story up in the first three minutes with, a, like, a pretty bow and it, everything was great and the Kickstarter... Um, but that took five months for me to produce the Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I did make the decision to quit my job um, because I was so depressed at that corporate environment. And um, I actually convinced my friend Mark to hire me part-time so that I could pay my rent. He actually wanted to hire my husband. And I was like, no, 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 like, he'll never quit your job. But like, I will. And I'll work for you part-time. And like, as long as I can pay my rent, like, I'm good. And I'm going to do this Kickstarter thing on the side and see what happens. So I think money is obviously one of the biggest barriers that we face. And I was, um, I just kind of found this way to kind of get out of my situation. Were you, were you ever worried, you know, like, oh my God, can I actually do this? Or did you just sort of No, terrified have, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still wondering what's going to happen to us. <laughs> I feel sure. you. I feel you. So, you know, speaking of being terrified, and I love the fact that you shared that with the audience, why do you think it's important for women to share their stories? Oh, they're so needed. Do we all just feel like a big release? Even just seeing the women on screen, I mean, it, so I love all of them, but it's just like we need to take up so much more space. Um, and something Joanne Wilson has said at her Women's Entrepreneur Festival is like one of the most powerful things you can do as a female founder is like be seen. 
be in the press, go to PR events, like do Q and A's. I think women, as women, we need like to inspire each other. We need to be out there in way bigger ways. So I, I think it's so important. And I, it's so funny because you know when I started Feminist Wednesday, I was like, I'm going to share all these women's stories, and they're going to flood in, and it's going to be such an amazing experience. And I had to chase women all the time. They're like, I don't have a story. You, you, you probably heard it before. Like, I'm not going to share it. And I was like, no, I need your story. And so it's, I feel like as women, sometimes we like take a back seat with that. And we need to like be super in the front seat and driving and with the convert. Like, we need to own all of that because we just, we need it. So yeah. we need it. Or I need it. We need it too. Yeah, we need it too. So thank you for that. You know, I I loved that one of the founders in um, the film, you know, wrote a book, Ten Steps to Starting Business, Claire, which was really amazing. Um, that she, you know, not only shared her story, but put it in writing for people. Um, you know, can you tell us about what you would recommend, um, you know, once a female entrepreneur or any entrepreneur has dreamed the idea, what are some of the first steps they can take to make it a reality? Yeah, I love this question because I think a lot of times, you know, I feel like we're all big dreamers, right? We all have these really big audacious dreams. And sometimes, and even for me, it's like you think about making a movie, okay, that's like a thousand steps ahead. Like that's so overwhelming. So I always feel like if you're in that space and you want to take up that, you want to like move towards a business or start something, like what is the smallest, tiniest, like tell your mom, like write it <laughs> on a piece of paper, like really just start something super small and keep moving really slowly towards it and building that momentum because we can't do everything all like overnight. It never happens like that. It always takes so much work and so much energy. And I think sometimes we lose that momentum because we're like, why aren't I here? And how come I haven't done that? And why haven't I? And we really need to like take a deep breath and just kind of slowly move towards it. Yeah, no, I love that advice. Um, and I'm a big fan of writing down your dreams because yeah. once you sort of put it on paper, you're sometimes you're like, nah, you know what, I don't actually well, want that. Well, I read a statistic <laughs> once that was like, if you write it down, it's 60% more likely to happen, which I could have made this statistic up. So <laughs> sorry, you know this. We'll just but go I, with it. But I think like, it, really, when you're writing down, you're committing some part of yourself to it, so. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, speaking of commitments, um, you started Dream Girl as a solo project, but mm-hmm. during the project, you and invited Komal, yep, Komal. Right, Komal to come on as a co-founder. Why did you think that that was important to do and how did it sort of change your vision for the business in terms of where you thought you could take it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Komal found me, honestly. Um, so I put out the Kickstarter campaign and I was like, I'm doing this thing, I'm making this movie. And really she just emailed me and was like, I really like what you're doing and I want to be a part of it. And she was like, I want to invest in it. Like, I have some video equipment. Maybe I can come down in New York while you're filming. And I said, sure, great. So she came down, and then we ended up spending a lot of time together while she was here visiting. And she was on set for the first week of filming, I think, which was really huge for her to see kind of, like, what our mission was and to meet all the women. And then we really just kept talking. I mean, initially her role was, like, head of strategic partnerships. Mm -hmm. And um, then we just kept working together. And she's so smart. And I love working with her, and I feel like such a synergy with her. Um, even the first time we talked, I was like, I feel like I've known you my whole life. Like, we just really had an instant connection. And I couldn't get rid of her, honestly. She just kept giving us <laughs> advice and, you know, helping us. And, and now with Comedia building out our global distribution, I mean, you know, my dream was like, okay, I want to make the film, and then, I don't know, it'll go somewhere or do something, or hopefully someone will see it. 
Um, and she was really like, no, I want it to be globally, I want to do this, and she really elevated our mission in such an amazing way. So I feel very lucky to have her as a co-founder. That's great. And, you know, co-founders and people that support you in your dream are so important. Very important. You know, and part of that is getting investors, right, people who believe in your dreams. So, you know, what sort of drove your decision to crowdfund on Kickstarter versus, you know, say going to traditional investors like Joanne Wilson to raise money for the project? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I was really scared of investors. I mean, I didn't even know the difference between like a venture capitalist and an angel investor when we first started. And, you know, I'm an artist, so what I'm really good at is like creating something. And then if people emotionally resonate with that, maybe I can push it forward. So I felt like Kickstarter was like the easiest outlet for me to, not that it was easy because it was very hard. Um, What what were some of the hard parts about doing the campaign? Oh. The hard <laughs> I mean, has anyone done a crowdfunding campaign in here? Two people? Anyone? Really? So you ladies know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's very, I think there's this myth that like you create something and you throw it up online and it'll like go viral or like it'll do something. That was not the case for Dream Girl. Um, I mean, we were 20 days in and needed to raise $20,000. So like every day I'm looking at my phone and I'm crying and like, but the joke between my husband and I was like, I'm going to take an hour off next, next week. Like, it was just nonstop fundraising, and that's yeah. so exhausting. Um, and it's a really, really hard process, for sure. If you, I think especially if you want... We wanted to raise $57,000 initially, so... Yeah. Well, you got to 100, so yes, congratulations. Thank you, Marie Forleo, for, <laughs> yeah. for sharing it. Well, you know, it, it, I think this is really important that you kind of mention that, because, you know, clearly it's a lot harder than it looks, right? It's easy to tell the successful part. It's hard to, you know, sort of really convey just how risky uh, the endeavor that you undertook was. Mm -hmm. You know, when you were kind of going out there and crying into your phone over the Kickstarter campaign, did you ever, you know, come up with a plan B? (laughs) Did you have like an alternate sort of ending in case, you know, things didn't work out the way that they did? Yeah, I mean, I think when I started the Kickstarter, I was kind of like, I'm going to do this thing and like if it works, like I've always wanted to make a feature length, so this will be really cool. And then I started hearing from the women about why we needed this story. And every time I got on the phone with somebody, they'd be like, this is what happened to me at my job, and this is what happened to me in this experience, and like, we need this film. And I kept, it like kept building me up throughout the process. So by the end of it, I was like, come hell or high water, I'm gonna make this thing happen. Yeah, no, only plan A, right? <laughs> yeah, so I, then I was definitely only plan A, and I was like, if this doesn't work, I'm gonna start pitching people, like, we have to make it happen. Yeah, well, I love um, that, um, and I think it's Mariana? Mariana. Mariama. Uh, she had a really great quote in the film, which was, uh, sometimes you knock on the door, and if they don't open, then you just break it down. So <laughs> that sounds a little bit like your philosophy as well. Um, so, you know, speaking of that, you know, we'd love to know about how you dealt with some of the roadblocks that you might have encountered while producing the movie. Sure, yeah, so... Um, one of the crazy things that happened was that Komal was diagnosed with cancer oh, no. um, about four months ago. And I we got a text message actually yesterday that she is cancer-free. Oh, um, that's she went wonderful. Into surgery. Yep. Thank God. Um, but I think, you know, making a film, being first-time producers, there was so much we didn't know. And then to have that happen was definitely um, really crazy and horrible and something that was a real struggle. Yeah, no, that's, that's, <laughs> that's uh, one of the ultimate roadblocks, I would say. Yeah. So you guys are 
very strong for getting through that. And, uh, you know, I think everyone here is very happy to hear the good news yes, because right. her energy is pretty amazing. So yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, you know, one of the things that was kind of a theme in the movie as well was the idea of mentorship and, you know, particularly with the Joanne Wilson story, kind of paying it forward. Um, and with Claire, with her daughters, kind of helping them, you know, through her 80s, like helping them build businesses and guiding them through it. You know, how has mentorship affected your life and your career? Have you had people who have been really important in, in your career? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we have um, two really amazing Hollywood executive producers who've made movies before and actually know what they're doing. So when we would send them rough cuts and things like that, it was really important to us to have, you know, somebody who had a really experienced eye. And they really were super hard on us and really pushed us to do the best that we could do. I mean, I had a different version of this movie maybe like 11 months ago and we scrapped the whole, I had 60 minutes on my timeline and I threw the whole thing out and we started over um, because they were like, we really want you to That's do That's a pivot. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We weren't like totally starting off, but it was, it was definitely a really, really hard decision to make. But we really wanted to make the best film possible. And I was like, if I got to work a little bit harder and like reshoot some stuff, and I'm like, I'm going to do it. Because I want this first one to be, um, to be, I wanted to be really proud of it. And I am. Well, I think that uh, we all think you did a great job <laughs> and are very proud of you. So thank you, Erin. And, uh, you know, I just want to really quickly, we're going to do kind of a lightning round, which is what we call our pay it forward section, okay. where we're going to devote 60 seconds to making our listeners a little bit smarter. So we're going to try and get all these questions done within 60 seconds. So okay. kind of like lightning round. All First right. thing that comes to mind. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your primary sources of information? These can be blogs, shows, podcasts, books. Um, I'm obsessed with podcasts. I really love Great. I love comedy podcasts, though, which are really not that informational. But I've, That's okay. Um, yeah, Ron and Beverly. <laughs> any Ron and Beverly fans? Um, I love reading all the Feminist Wednesday stories because we publish new content every Wednesday, and that's a great way to get information on your feminists. All right, we're going to check it out. Feminist Wednesday. What book are you reading right now? Um, I'm not reading a book right now, but if I had to recommend one, it would be Big, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, yeah. I actually just listened to her podcast the yeah. other day for Big Magic, yeah, although I felt it didn't totally apply to me. It was definitely more for creatives, but, it's you know, so good, is stuff. it? Okay, i got to give it another shot. Um, what rituals do you swear by? Meditation. Awesome. And my husband and I go for walks, like, in the evening, which is weird, but... That's no, that's, that's a great practice. <laughs> Who are three female entrepreneurs or leaders that you admire? Hillary Clinton. Yeah, girl. Um, <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg is another one. Notorious RPG. Yeah. And um, Lena Dunham. Okay, nice, nice. What is the best advice you've ever received? Um, I had a lot of people tell me not to make a movie and to make a web series, and I didn't listen to them, so. Okay, we'll, we'll file that under <laughs> worst advice. Are there any particular myths that you'd like to dispel for our listeners? Myths about what? Anything. Like, feminists are angry for a reason. I agree with that one. And that's okay. <laughs> Love that. What words of advice would you give to our listeners about taking risks and closing the confidence gap? Um, I really believe in dreaming at first. 
like you have to be able to visualize it and see it and see yourself in it and I think like we were saying before like write it down start the plan just put it in motion absolutely and finally what does think broad mean to you Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Okay. She's, I'm sure she really appreciates all the plugs. And, uh, you know, if you want one of these lovely t-shirts, I'm sure you can get them on her website as well. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Erin. So um, I know that we're supposed to be opening it up to the audience for questions. So uh, is it time for that now? All right. Wonderful. Questions? Hi, Hi. I don't have a, a Facebook anymore, but I do remember you being so open about your process for the past two years. And there was a time when you were like, oh my God, where's this film going? What's really going on here? I've gotten this far though, what's next? And I guess I want to know what you did in that part. I know you said you scrapped it and started over, but uh, I definitely have thought in the past I was almost that sure and then thrown back to see. So I would love to know in 60 seconds, I guess? Or <laughs> <laughs> however long, just how you got through that. Thing. Yeah, I mean, starting over or pivoting like really sucked. It was horrible. It was like emotionally gutting. Um, but the reason that we did it was because we wanted more from the creative. Um, and so what really anchored me was, you know, originally our timeline was like shifted. We were based on themes, but now we really focused on the women's stories. And even though it was really hard to like get in there and like have to start again, like I really let them lead me. And I really was like, okay, these are the, this is the reason I'm doing it. And these women are like getting me up every day. Like I get to listen to Clara, like talk about, and Mariama breaking down doors. Like find that thing that like leads you and just keep moving towards it. And then eventually once you see that like you made the right decision, like, oh, this is getting a lot better, then it becomes easier to like leave that hard place of it being like so uncomfortable. So keep pushing forward. Hi. Um, Hi. I'm Becca. Hi, Becca. Um, so I was wondering, so um, the way that you filmed, it wasn't um, an interview with these women. You know, there wasn't a time where, where we were hearing what questions you had for them. So I guess I'm just wondering, how did you prompt these women into telling you these stories? Um, were you just sort of like, oh, tell me anything? Or was there more? <laughs> I'm assuming there's more thought process behind that. Um, and I really appreciated that it wasn't a Q&A. I think that that made it seem more genuine and like I was in their house and, and experiencing these stories with them. But I was just wondering how you got them to share these stories. Totally. Well, I mean, I, I mean, we didn't hold them hostage or anything. So they were very <laughs> lovely with sharing um, the details that they wanted to about their lives. Um, and I sent them questions beforehand. So, you know, I had a blueprint of where I wanted to go and the different themes and topics I wanted them to talk about. But then I was so, like, excited because, you know, I had done, you know, months of research about each of them. But then they would give me, like, this little nugget that, like, I hadn't known before. And so that, that kind of steered, you know, the moments that I thought were really impactful. So um, they were just super open with us. You know, we had an all-female crew which was something that was really important to me. So we kind of also set the mood of it being like a safe space where people could share. Um, but the women really just were awesome. Hi. Um, so obviously, you know, like one of the messages in this movie is like everybody, every woman has a dream. You know, you may not know what it is yet, whatever, but everyone has a dream. Um, and I guess I was wondering, what would you want 
a woman to take away from this, someone who may watch it and say, you know, these women are so powerful, so awesome. I don't know if I see myself as a go-getter like them, mm -hmm. but I so am so inspired by them, but like, I don't know if I have similar dreams to them. What mm -hmm. would you want someone who so the question is, um, you know, what advice would you give to women who see this movie and are so inspired by these really powerful women? So if you don't see yourself as this powerful, yeah. what should you take away from the movie? Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, something I definitely don't want to do is for you to feel the pressure that, like, you got to go home and write something down right now. Like, I, I love that you're feeling inspired and you're feeling that energy. And if that's where you're at, like, that's amazing and it might come in a month, and it might come in a year. And Elizabeth Gilbert, you can Google this um, amazing TED talk she gives about the hummingbird and the jackhammer. Like, just keep being curious, and keep being creative, and keep being super open to these ideas. Because sometimes that's all it takes, is for you to just be like, I'm open to learning whatever the, my passion or whatever my thing is gonna be. But you don't have to know right now. Don't put that pressure on yourself. Thank you so much for this um, inspiring movie. I'm very interested in learning more about the animation you used in this movie. I guess you mentioned uh, you were the animation artist before, but when you first started up the movie, did you um, think about this as the way to tell the story, or what kind of just the storytelling effect do you feel this animation add to the message? Thank yeah. you. We're really interested in learning more about the animation that you used in this movie and mm -hmm. how you were inspired to use that animation to tell the story. Yeah, so great question. Thank you for asking it. My friends, um, Mighty Oak Productions, there's three girls, they run a production studio out of Brooklyn and they did all the stop motion animation in the film. I did the motion graphics, which are like the tech stuff that happened, um, but they did all of that. They hand painted and hand drew and hand like I don't know, they like move it around and take photos of it and then they send it to me. It's beautiful. Um, and we really only had it in the first three minutes for my story. And then I was like, oh, it's so good. We need to bring it back. So we, we got them a new contract and um, we worked together to have them do that. But they, I think it brings such a, such a texture and such beauty. Like you yeah. can't be inside Clara's bookstore, but that's one of my favorite scenes. Like you can feel it and you can feel the books disappearing. So. Um, they did an amazing job. You can Google them, Mighty Oak. You can follow them on Instagram. They have tons of cool videos they're posting all the time. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I guess this seems like this is probably one of your biggest dreams come true. What are your other dreams that you're ready to pursue? This seems like one of your biggest dreams come true. What are some of your other dreams that you'd like to pursue as well? I want to make a million dollars. That's my next dream. I want to make a lot of money. I want to be an abundant artist. That's something that's really important to me. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it and then hope it like... Just write, write it down. Yeah. Just write it down a bunch of times. <laughs> Thank you, Erin. Just an amazing film you've made. Um, I'm curious about when you started to describe yourself as a feminist mm. and either why or what things were going on that... Um, decided to adopt sometimes an unpopular label. Yeah, for, some. for sure. Thank you, Erin. This is a great movie. We want to know when you decided that it was okay to label yourself as a feminist. Yeah, I'm actually really embarrassed because I feel like, um, like as a privileged white woman, it took me like a really long time to find feminism. And um, I apologize. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was sexually harassed at my corporate job that I was like, 
my mo my behavior was like starting to modify, and I was I like was dressing differently, and I was talking differently, and I was becoming this like weird subversion of myself, and becoming really depressed as a result of it. And I was so desperate to hear other women's stories and experiences. I think sometimes we think like the culture is like a one-off, right? It's just happening to us. And then once I heard like, no, this is like a systematic oppression that happens within our culture, I was like, okay, now I know that this is not like my thing, this is like everybody's thing. And I think knowing that gave me so much power to kind of own the situation, to, ha to have the dialogue and the words to talk about it. Um, and so I just became obsessed with hearing women's stories and wanting more of them, which is why I started Feminist Wednesday. And now I'm just like obsessed, obviously, with women's stories. And I love being a feminist. I think understanding the gender roles, understanding the different discrimination we face, you know, whether that's sexual orientation or race or gender, I think it's fascinating. And I think there's so much work to be done. And I think it's so, it doesn't like freak me out. I'm so excited by it. I'm so excited to be part of the change. So I love being a feminist. Me too. Yay. <laughs> we have time for two more questions. Hi, that was just incredible film. So thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you. Um, I'm really interested in how you actually found the subjects. Like, mm. did you go through an interview process with like 10 or 50 and then narrow it down? Or how did you go about that? Thank you for the film. It was really wonderful. I'm interested to know how you chose your subjects. Did you start off with 10 or 50 and then narrow it down? Um, so we started with Mariama and Finn and Phoebes from the Kickstarter campaign. So we really liked them and wanted to include them in the feature. And then as I was raising money through the Kickstarter, like every time I would get on the phone with a female entrepreneur, I was like, oh, you should donate to the Kickstarter campaign. I would secretly be interviewing them about their stories. So I probably spoke to 50-ish women. And then a lot of them, just people would, you know, find out about the film and then they would send me these really cool women. So like, I found Annie Wang from my husband's aunt's friend's work person. And she was like, this is like a 3D printer. And I was like, that sounds scary. I want to talk to her. And so we, I was able to just find, and the Villarosas were a Kickstarter back who said, you should really talk to the Villarosas. They, you know, they've been in publishing forever. So um, I just stayed open to listening and um, just trying to find women that really, like I, I wanted them to light me up and I wanted to, them to feel like I wanted to learn from them and spend you know, two years in their experience. So it took me a really long time to f like pick all of them, honestly. Hi, I'm Johanna. Hi, um, so yeah, thanks for, for showing it to us tonight, really great. And uh, just like picking up on the topic you were, you were talking about before, like the feminist um, topic, it's like, what, what kind of responses do you get from men, or do you get run in any troubles, because you, <laughs> you, you presented quite strongly, I'm just wondering, like, yeah. What kind of responses have you gotten from men on the content of this movie? Um, I've had some men tell me they became feminists because of this movie, which is really exciting. Um, and some of my favorite reviews have been from men who say that, you know, we see movies all the time with male protagonists, and now they get to like see all these women owning their space and they empathize with them and they visualize themselves through their stories. And I think a lot of times we assume women are gonna do that for men and men aren't gonna do it the other way around. Um, but I will say when I first started pitching it, you know, I'd say like, I'm working on this, you know, or this film about uh, female empowerment and female entrepreneurs and you know, the men in my circles would be like, oh, great. And then I'd be like, and I also run this feminist storytelling blog and they'd be like, oh, like get away. So I think there is such a, there is like an uncomfortable 
aura around the word, and I think we need to keep using it. And you know, one of the things that we talked about, or that we really show, like obviously Dreamgirl is a very feminist film. We talk about feminist issues, we talk about gender, we talk about paternity leave, but none of them actually say that they're feminists, right? It also doesn't need to be something that you know, we have to like say, this is feminist. Like, it can be in the mainstream, it can be part of our experience, and so that was something we were really thoughtful about in the film. Thanks everyone so much, particularly Aaron and the whole Broad Mike LMHQ team for being here tonight and all, to all of our audience. Um, I think that we all just really appreciate your support. Aaron, any closing thoughts? Um, if you liked the movie or you want to hear more about it, the only way that we're doing screenings is through community screenings like this. So if you want to host your own, you can visit dreamgirlfilm.com slash host and check it out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Broad Mic. Find us on Facebook where you can join the community and participate in the conversation around today's episode. You can also let us know what you think about the show or suggest future guests and topics. We want your feedback. Broad Mic is produced by Christy Mirabal with editing by John Marshall Media. Our executive producer is Sarah Weinheimer. Think Broad.